0: Breakdown. I'm Coulter Nuanez. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coming to you late on a Friday night. Sorry this has been so delayed. This has been a crazy week for no other reason. I mean, the return of football were rusty in terms of the coverage plan and all that stuff, but more than anything, I was on the road and then my flight got delayed and then everything got pushed back and I had a bunch of meetings in the evenings uh, setting stuff up for both Skyline Sports as well as ESPN on my daily radio and TV show, Nuanez Now. No excuses. Former Montana State head coach Jeff Choate used to always say, everybody's got problems and no one cares about yours. (laughs) So that's kind of where we're at, but hopefully everybody here uh, is enjoying themselves and enjoying their week and uh, looking forward to the home openers here uh, at both Montana and Montana State this weekend. Both teams kicking off under the lights. The Grizzlies host Western Illinois, 6 p.m. Washington Grizzlies Stadium. The Bobcats, the annual Gold Rush game, 6 p.m. Bobcats Stadium. They host Drake, and we'll get into all of that and more. Montana coming off a 13-7 win at University of Washington. The number 20 ranked Washington Huskies go down at the hands of Montana, just the fifth FCS team to topple a ranked FBS opponent. Montana State fought valiantly, but fell nineteen sixteen at Wyoming of the Mountain West. In this podcast, you'll hear from Bobby Houck, Montana head coach, Brent Vegan, Montana State head coach, Montana linebacker Patrick O'Connell, Montana State tight end Trenton Pickering, my good buddy, former colleague, and uh, maybe current contributor Ryan Toutel. He swung by my daily radio show to contribute a little uh, feedback on Montana's win over Washington. Also hear from Andy. Houghton, he was out in Seattle, uh, of SkylineSportsMT.com covered it for us so you get his reaction as well. Then we'll hear from Bobcat Safety Jeffrey Manning, Bobcat Linebacker Nolan Askelson. We'll get this thing wrapped up with the first edition of the Montana State Minute with Alex Eshelman. She is uh, a sports reporter there in Bozeman for our great TV partners, SWX Montana Television. So thanks to SWX for all their support for both ESPN Missoula as well as Skyline Sports. Without further ado, the Big Sky Breakdown leading up to Montana's game against Western Illinois and Montana State's game against Drake, each one of those contests played under the lights of the Big Sky Breakdown is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. For the first of all, last night I'm driving in my car and listening to Freddie Coleman show, one of my favorite guys on the radio, and he's talking about Bobby Hawk and the Montana Grizzlies. So this is just the first of many, or I guess the next of many, but I mean, this must be cool.
1: Yeah, Freddie and Ian are good guys, so that was fun being on with them. Uh, I think it's good for a university. You know, I think it's good for Montana. I think it's good for Missoula. And I
0: think it's good for the university. So uh, national exposure is a great thing. I know that you have such a... Uh so, so much pride in this university as a whole, not just the football program, but the athletic department and the university as a whole. So do you sort of see your role as, as sort of helping Montana make a comeback? Because you know it has been tough times in Montana in terms of enrollment, stuff like that, but this sort of thing, in my opinion, is so big for the school in general. So, I mean, do you agree, and do you kind of see that role that this team has?
1: Yeah, I think we can uh, give the university great exposure and, and great national recognition because our sport's visible across the country and we want to do our part to to help and we, you know and that includes not just the university of montana but montana itself
0: you spent several years at university of washington was that the first time you'd coached there since you left there though yeah i hadn't been
1: in the stadium since i left there so that was the first time
0: what'd you think of the, just the new digs because i mean they, they've done a lot of work on that thing and it's as beautiful as ever yeah i'd i'd driven by
1: and seen pictures and been told about it but it was it was nice they did uh they did a really nice job with that.
0: The national spin here is you know the FCS team top on the ranked FBS team, but uh, that was a good football team that you guys beat. In fact, a great football team. But did they stack up kind of how you expected? I mean, did they look uh, like you thought when you were putting together the scouting report? Yeah, you know, uh, first games you get a lot of time
1: on on the uh, on the opponent, so you can do a little more in terms of personnel and some of those things and uh, yeah they were they were what we thought uh, certainly they're
0: they're, uh, they're I think they're a good football team. It's an interesting dynamic too the fact that you guys had so long to prepare for them and now turn around and you're in another game week and that's sort of the ebbs and flows of college football but what's that transition like when you go from having months to prepare for your opener to now a couple days to prepare for Western Illinois?
1: Yeah we uh, you know we believe in routine and we're into our our weekly routine this week and if you uh don't do it that way i think you can get caught and uh, get beat on
0: any given saturday when you're watching the film back at uh, the the fronts both fronts played really well for for montana and uh but particularly the offensive line i thought was was a pleasant surprise so what did you think of those guys performance and and what did they do well well i i wasn't surprised
1: um but uh you know we're just we're just fundamentally sound. Um, we've got enough ability to to control
0: the game to a degree on both sides. So it was good. You mentioned this was the biggest win in your coaching career. App State uh, in 2009 was one I remember. James Madison in 2008 in the semis over in their barn. Uh, but, I mean, why was this one? What, what made it special? What made it stand out to you? Why did you think that this was the best win of your career?
1: Uh, just the fact is, is – it's the Washington Huskies, you know, and, and they're a, they're a force and always have been in college football. So that's a huge win, and just you know, you can make a case for a lot of things, and that's what you guys do. You got to fill airtime. For me, that was just kind of a spur of the moment statement, but I think I was right.
0: Absolutely, and a great win for you yourself, your assistants, and then your team. Last question for you, coach: What do you expect Saturday night under the lights, Washington Grizzly Stadium, Western Illinois coming to town? Well,
1: they're they're a good football team. Uh, they've got a lot of new faces, they a lot of transfers. Uh, they're fast. Uh, their offense can light it up. And I think uh, we'll have our hands full with them for sure.
2: Football is back and nuanas Now has everything you need to know about the weekend for the Grizzlies, the Bobcats, around the Big Sky Conference and around the Treasure State in the prep ranks too. Join Colter nuanas and other contributing guests for the first hour of each Monday's Nuana's Now, beginning at 4 p.m. for compelling analysis, interesting information, interviews and more. The Montana Football Hour, the first hour of each Monday's Nuana's Now, beginning at 4 p.m. on 1029 ESPN Missoula and statewide on SWX Montana Television. The Montana Football Hour, presented by Stockman Bank of Montana.
0: Down here at Brick Breed and Fieldhouse, New Orleans now, 102.9 ESPN, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Had a little a delay in the flight, so catching up with Brett Vegan after his weekly press conference here at Montana State. Uh, but coach interesting because great performance uh on saturday by the way uh outstanding by your guys i thought they fought really hard they played really hard but this is college football now you guys have been waiting for this game for like two years and now you just have a week to turn the page so how do you sort of balance it and give the guys encouragement for what you guys did in your 1916 loss to wyoming but also now it's another game week and uh, you got drake on the horizon
3: well i I think today with with not being school it allowed us to to really take a good look at it with the guys. you know, gave them the day off yesterday, and expected that uh, they, that, that result to, to hurt. and I think it did. I, I think I think we went down there believing we could win a game, and we we played like we believed. Um, our effort was tremendous. I think our you know our, our lapses at times that um, we got in our own way really hurt us. You know, probably in all three phases. And, and I think that the biggest thing we have to do is not worry so much about who we play next, um, but how can we get better at those those details? How can we get better at, at making sure that uh, offensively, if we, have, if we have a chance to open up a lead, we do so. We don't go four possessions in their, uh, their end and come up empty. Defensively, if we get back in that scenario, we have um, a lead in the fourth quarter, how do we hang on? Um, special teams-wise, if we create a big play, um, how do we not penalize ourselves you know and I think our guys uh, took all that to heart are hungry to get back out there hungry to get better and that's what we aim to do tonight with the first
0: practice when you reviewed the film what stood out to you because you can see especially from the press box guys that are flashing to me Chase Benson flashed Daniel Hardy flashed I mean Troy Anderson I know he was sort of feeling his way out but especially towards the end he really flashed Ty Okada but was there anybody or I guess uh, just Generally, uh, anybody that stood out to you on film?
3: Yeah, I'll start just generally. I, I thought in the lines of scrimmage, um, we didn't just hold our own. I, I thought we won. We won. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I know Coach Bull thought they would have a decided advantage, um, maybe both ways. And I, I thought we won that. And, you know, you mentioned some names there, um, certainly Chase and Daniel. I thought Amandre made some plays. Yeah. Um, you know, Troy made some spectacular plays, showing a physicality that he hasn't been asked maybe to show. Um, Tie tackle well in the open field. I think, you know, so negating their run game was was huge. And I think on the flip side, when we wanted to run the ball, we could, and that's uh, that's a credit to the entire line. I you know, um, I think Justice Perkins, for a guy that was a surprise starter, um, tagged as undersized, whatever, I think he showed like he. He belonged out there, and I thought we uh, we were positioned well on the perimeter at times we had some breakdowns I, I think that could have been uh, bigger and better, but I, I think you know that was the biggest takeaway for me on a positive side is line of scrimmage wise um we showed up ready to play and performed
0: that's give you a lot of confidence coming to the rest of your schedule right i mean but how do you not let the guys rest on that and continue to get better because that's what it's going to take to, even if you aren't playing fbs the rest of the way
3: yeah i think the, I think the silver lining you got to take away is um you win that game i think you tend to gloss over some of those those details sure. that didn't work our way uh, we lost that game so i think they're they smack us in the face and if you you know, if we're not prepared to, to, to accept reality that we didn't make enough plays to win it, um, then we're not either doing our job as coaches or players, just not real with the situation. So I think we are. I think we're um, I think we there to, to get better. I think we're driven to get better. I, I know we have to play more guys. Uh, playing as few guys as we played is not sustainable. So getting more guys in the mix, um, keeping us fresh, all that kind of stuff, building our depth, will be the charge and i think our guys are up to the challenge and um you know it will- well, that was a loss, and it'll go in the column as a loss, but we can't let that linger and create any more uh, negativity moving forward.
0: Field position, bell to be sure. Uh, so that meant not a lot of plays were run. Do you expect more plays to be run, and then in turn, will that get more guys' turns, especially guys in the running back room? Because I know it's kind of Isaiah and every many other guys got involved, but it just seemed like it's just because he only ran 58 plays, right?
3: Yeah, I know offensively I spoke of those four possessions where we, you know, just in, on the edge of field goal range um, – we sputtered we had to turn over on one um we went for it on one and didn't get it we missed the field goal on one with the bad snap and then we punted you know any any one of those drives creates more opportunities two of those drives creates that many more so i, I think that that's the key to getting more guys on the field is sustaining drives um you know we're going to make some big plays and you're going to you're going to be happy when you score quick i guess but to You know, to ultimately, you know, to stay on the field and be much better on third down, I think, is the 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 real magic to getting more guys on the field.
4: Do you want your sports news, commentary, and features from a corporate publication? Would you like to hear it from local experts who have lived in your community their entire lives? At Skyline Sports, Coulter and Brooks Nuwanas bring more than two decades of experience to give you old school journalism with a new age presentation. At SkylineSportsMT.com, the Nuwanas brothers provide knowledge from a family who lives Big Sky Conference athletics every day for eight dollars a month or 90 bucks a year get access to comprehensive college Grizz and bobcat coverage at skyline sportsmt.com skyline sports every day every season
0: uh, matt mckay he, he uh, seemed like he was pretty good in his first start uh, but what do you want to see in growth from him uh, both this weekend, and just moving forward in general
3: yeah in growth and just to, i'll say that in general um, he needs to own up to the things that the areas he can get be, he can get better. I know um, calling plays for him for Coach House right in, in, in a first game and, and seeing how he responds. I think Taylor has to be able to react to that as well. And what I mean by that is, you know, I think now we know to some degree how Matt will respond in a game game situation. Um, what he does, you know, can do what really well in particular, and where what, what you know might be some struggles, and try to fashion that the best we can. I. I think he's got the ability to be a real effective player and I think he's got the, the ability to play much better than he did on Saturday. While he did some good things, there was you know, there was some decision-making um, uh, challenges, I would say. There was a few throws as the game went along where I think he's got to just put our guys on the, on the end of those throws in a little better position to make plays. But uh, you know, we can win football games with Matt. I think he realizes that, but I think he, he understands he's got to play a little better too.
0: The coordinators, Freddie Banks, Taylor House, right? What did you think of their first time calling plays?
3: Well, I thought we were really prepared well. And I think, uh, you know, defensively, um, we more than, than kept them off balance. Um, very disruptive up front. I think uh, limited big plays, by and large. I know ultimately Freddie would love to have, you know, that fourth quarterback. That's not our expectation to give up 16 points. But it's, uh, I, don't, I don't think it was the nature of our plan or how we called things. Um prepared well though I think offensively you know uh, I think we kept them off balance Uh, we were balanced and that's that's the key probably to 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 staying ahead uh, offense versus defense Um, you know and designing a game plan for the first time and volume and all those things I think is something that we'll definitely look at from an offensive perspective but uh, appreciate the work of both sides of football and getting our guys ready and um, I felt like we were really prepared, and we, you know, coached them up well within the game.
0: Last thing for you, then turn the page to Gold Rush. This is something that people around Montana look forward to all year long. So, what do you anticipate, and how do you, you know, let the hype be an advantage for your team, but not maybe not get in the way of you know the emotions of the night because it is going to be uh, pretty electric on Saturday night, Bobcat Stadium.
3: Yeah, you know, I've, I've certainly seen pictures. Um, it's it's certainly a sight to see, but to, to feel it and to hear it, I think will be great. I, I think it helps us having played in a full stadium already yeah, right. albeit one that was against us but i think that buzz this won't be a first-time deal it'll i think it'll help us with the buzz is for us um you know so we look forward to a great crowd i think a crowd that's very engaged in the game um is getting after uh their offense when they're on the field and helping out our defense and and, and staying quiet and, and then cheering for our offense as we make plays so it, it's going to be a um, an awesome experience for our coaching staff um, especially us that are experiencing for the first time and, and then quite frankly we have a lot of guys that haven't been on in that stage um in bobcat stadium ever so uh, i'm really anxious for that um, so excited to see all all the people down in the gold and and uh
2: Connect to more.
0: We're going to welcome in a guy that I love watching play football, a guy that I recognized when he first got to the University of Montana. I, I recognized him in practice right away, and I remember asking for an interview because I knew he was going to be a guy that could make an impact. And now, here he is as a second year as a starter, and he is truly making an impact. This is our Grizz Star of the Week, presented by Bob Ward Sports and Outdoors, and our Grizz Star of the Week is Patrick O'Connell. He's a junior linebacker out of Kalispell Glacier High School and a guy that was one of the leading uh, members of the Grizzly defense that stuffed the Washington Huskies on Saturday. Pat, I know you just got done with practice. Thanks so much for taking a minute for us here at ESPN Radio. How you doing, my man?
6: I'm good. How are you doing today?
0: Very, very good. We got Rally Corker, voice of the Grizz, here with me, Coulter Nuana's as well. And, Pat, let's just t- start with the broadest and biggest question of the day. You guys walked into Husky Stadium and you smacked the Washington Huskies. You dominated the game physically. You guys overwhelmed their offense with your pass rush and your run defense. And you guys walked out with a 13-7 victory, one of the biggest wins by Montana or an FCS school over a ranked FBS opponent. What's it been like for you the last couple of days as you sort of compartmentalize and absorb this win?
6: Yeah, um, it's been a crazy experience, especially with uh, all the uh, people that are supporting us and myself, um, all the text messages, everything on social media and everything. It was a surreal moment. Um, Everyone had a great time. The experience was a once in a lifetime. And now we're on to the next game, so we got to get ready for that one.
7: And Pat, 10 tackles, 3 TFLs, 2 sacks. I mean, I, I want to just go back to the speed of your guys' defense. And you guys were flying around. You were getting the edge. And you read that play fake so well on the sack of Dylan Morris. Just just maybe speak a little bit of how you were feeling on the field with your guys' speed. We, we heard all week about Washington's size on the offensive line and their talent. How much did that motivate you guys? And how much did you feel that your guys' speed was the true X factor?
6: yeah we knew that uh that the huskies were gonna come out and be fast and physical, and we were practicing for that all week um but we know what we had as well, so our speed and our physicality we feel like that uh we could outmatch it and uh we we went out on the field and we did that uh you see the first drive there um they kind of put it on us we had some guys doing a little too much, including myself um We let the speed get to us a little bit that first drive, but then we buckled down, and uh, you saw the rest of the game, and the rest is history now.
0: Grizz Star of the Week with Grizz linebacker Patrick O'Connell here on Nuwana is now on ESPN Radio. And, Pat, talking to you guys, listening to everybody from around the team, the coaching staff, I think the people that were least surprised by this victory were those that are on the Montana Grizzlies. How have you guys got about cultivating that level of belief within your team?
6: You know it comes from uh, the coaches they instill that in us um, telling us that everything we do has a purpose to it and everyone truly buys into that um, and believes that what coach Houck and his staff are, are doing for us um, has a purpose everything to it has a purpose so the guys on this team are great um, we have a a great culture culture of dominance and everyone's buying into that um, so it's you can't be you can't beat that when everyone's bought
7: into it. And, Pat, your story is phenomenal. You came, obviously, you were a star at Glacier, and then you went to Mary. And I want to talk about the, the time from Mary to Montana. What were your expectations coming in to the Grizzly football program? And to obviously be the star that you are now has taken a lot of hard work and determination, but just that process of going back from the D2 school Mary to, to giving it a shot here at Montana and then being a star, what has it been like to have it all come full circle for you?
6: I mean, it's been an amazing experience for me. There's a lot that's gone into it, especially the decision-making process. Um, I gave up one of my favorite things to do, which was baseball. Um, And now, obviously, I'm here doing what I'm doing. So, the biggest process was decision-making and, you know, just believing in myself and talking to my family. And they believed in me as well. And I knew what I could do. And I just needed some time to prove what I can do. And now this is where we're at, so we got to keep it rolling.
0: Patrick O'Connell joining us here on New Orleans Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. It's our Grizz Star of the Week, presented by Bob Ward Sports and Outdoors. Grizz opened their home slate on Saturday against Western Illinois. Bob Ward's got the official game t-shirts for you, so head on down to Bob Ward's. They also have a merchandise booth inside Washington Grizzly Stadium near the north end zone. they got sweatshirts, hoodies, jackets, t-shirts, pullovers, and more. All your Grizz gear, go find it at Bob Ward Sports and Outdoors here in Missoula. Pat, I want to ask you about your uh, your sack celebration. I'm a big Vikings fan. I love me some Jared Allen. This looks kind of like Jared Allen to me.
6: Yeah, I just kind of did it one game. I mean, I was watching some highlights before a game, and obviously I saw Jared Allen. My, my family, some of my family members are Vikings uh, fans, and I've seen him do it before, and I honestly don't know why I started doing it, but I did. So, I'll, I think I'm going to switch it up a little bit every once in a while, though. Hey, hey! If you
0: if you get enough sacks where you can have multiple sack celebrations, let it roll, my man. That's that's a good thing. But I, I got to tell you, it makes me real happy to see Patrick O'Connell uh, do a little calf roping in the middle of a, a football game. Uh, let's talk about moving forward now, because you guys do have your home opener here against Western Illinois, and uh, as we know in college football, win or lose. It's on to the next one, no matter what. So how do you hope you guys, uh, you with the Grizzlies, refocus as you guys have uh, a night game Saturday evening on the horizon?
6: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it after the, the win on Saturday that we can enjoy it on the plane ride, we can enjoy it on Sunday, but then once we get to the facility on Monday, then it's time to focus on Western Illinois. And I think we have a team that is really focused on that Really bought into hitting the weight room early in the week, um, getting our film study in, getting all the practices we need, um, and uh, we're super excited to get uh, into Washington Grizzly this weekend. Have all the fans there, and it's going to be a great environment, and it's going to be a great game. But we got a we got a tall task ahead of us, and got to prepare for Western Illinois like it's any other team because this is Division One college football, and every Saturday is. it's a uh, a tough win, so got
7: to prepare the same way. And Western Illinois comes in here off a pretty good performance against Ball State. Pat, final one for me is just about how many times maybe in the last year and a half that you and the rest of your teammates have thought about and talked about what it was going to be like to run out of the tunnel uh to a packed house at washington grizzly stadium to feel the emotion of a night game i mean this this game has been on the calendar for quite a while knowing that this was going to be the first time that you go back in front of grizz nation and then you add the fact of all of the hype after this washington game as well how excited are you how much have you guys talked about in the locker room of just feeling that energy inside washington grizzly stadium saturday
6: oh i mean everyone is fired up uh there's no there's no other feeling like running out of that tunnel, seeing twenty seven thousand fans on their feet yelling um for the Montana Grizzlies. There's no better feeling than that. Uh guys are excited. Uh guys are enthused to go out there and play in front of the fans, the the die hard Montana fans that come every Saturday for the Grizzlies. Um, <clears throat> like I said, it's a dream come true to run out of the tunnel. Um, but that puts more expectation on us and we have to prepare as such and Get in the film room, hit the practice, hit the weight room, and we'll be ready for this uh, this Saturday, and we'll perform for our fans out there. So everyone is super excited for it.
2: College
0: athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Colter Nuwana is here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. Nuwana is now 1029 ESPN Radio as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Here with Trayton Pickering, one of two Traytons to catch touchdowns in Montana State's 1916 loss at Wyoming. It was almost the game winner, then Trayton Welsh from Wyoming got the game winner with 47 seconds to go. So that was sort of a weird anomaly, the fact that two guys named Trayton catching touchdowns in the last two minutes of the game. But uh, Trayton, obviously disappointing for you guys to go to Laramie and lose. But you got involved in the action. The tight ends got involved in the action. So you got to have some optimism at least there. You guys got to be excited to be a bigger part of the offense this year.
8: Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, having a new OC in house, right? I mean, uh, offense has changed a little bit and it's been nice being able to be more involved in the passing game and help out in that way. And uh, uh, all the tight ends are obviously excited and uh, everybody's just thrilled that, I mean, we're to more, be more part of the offense and be more dynamic in that sense.
0: This is one of my favorite parts about covering college football in Montana is just the the meshing of different backgrounds, guys from all over the country. I mean, Raleigh, North Carolina, couldn't be farther away from where you're from in Sunburst, Montana. I asked Matt McKay after the game because I was trying to, you know, cheer him up a little bit because was a little disappointed. I said, do you have any idea where Sunburst, Montana He said, hell no, I have no idea where Sunburst, Montana is. But that is, it's kind of cool, right? I mean, you're catching touchdown passes from a guy from a person, you know, two million person city. And you're from, you know, six man football.
8: Yeah, exactly. I mean, It's nice, I mean, that's kind of my favorite part about football is, I mean, you get to mesh with all these guys from California, Alaska, over on the East Coast, North Carolina. I mean, you get to learn a lot of new backgrounds, especially coming from such a small town. I mean, it's pretty uh, single culture there. I mean, not a lot of diversity up there. And um, it's just cool to be able to hear other people's stories and how they grew up, how they are compared to mine. Um, And it's just really cool being able to uh, learn different guys' backgrounds and get to know them a lot better.
0: What do you take from this Wyoming game? Because uh, a lot of times these FBS games, when you are in it, it's because they're making mistakes or the, you, got, you know, the, the FCS team scored a bunch of points. You guys went toe-to-toe physically. I mean, this was a slugfest. You guys looked every bit as physical as Wyoming. So what do you guys take from this game moving forward here? I mean, our defense, they battled for the, for the entirety of
8: the game. I mean, they kept us in it while well, the offense, I mean, we slowly had to get going a little bit. I know uh, I'd be surprised. I wasn't surprised that Matt didn't throw the ball 30 yards over uh, – Lance's head the first play because I mean I was pretty nervous being my first <laughs> right. time out there um, but I mean it was a first learning for a lot of people I mean it was a lot of people's first um, new head coach new OCDC I mean it was just really cool to get out there and learn kind of what everybody's capable of and uh, just excited for this next week for sure
0: Train Pickering joining us here on is now, 102.9 ESPN Radio as well as statewide TV, SWX Montana TV. There were so many questions about the coaching change and I think that uh, Jeff Choate, former Montana head coach, he brought so much passion and fire and uh, people were wondering, you know, the Bobcats still going to play like they've been playing the last couple of years, but you guys sort of put that notion to rest right away. So what do you think of just the new coaching staff, but also it seems like you guys are the ones to set the tone in terms of how hard you guys play. Yeah, I mean, I think,
8: I mean we have a bunch of players from under Coach Choate I mean, everybody, the recruiting I mean, you, re- we recruit people who are going to be competitive and passionate for the game and they're going to put everything out there on the line every snap every play so I mean I think that's no question with our culture I mean uh, our leaders install it in us all the time and they hold us to that expectation and if it's not held I mean people will be told what to do and I mean that's kind of what our identity wants to be like and I feel like on Saturday we wanted to be physical and that's what we try to do we
0: just ended up coming a little short. This is only the first time I ever, I guess the second time I ever talked to you in person, but I actually, I remember the first time I ever saw you because I went on Montana State's East Side Swing Tour when Leon Costello was first the athletic director, and I think Cho had been the coach for like a year, and they're like, yeah, just come to all the Montana towns, you can write a story on it, and I remember uh, we went to, the last stop was in Shelby, and we went to Ringside Ribs, I remember you came down to say what's up because you were kind of getting recruited, just take us through that moment to now because it takes a lot for a guy to walk on from a, I mean, how many people live in summers, 200, 300, 300 people, right, it takes a lot for guys from the high Line to, to make it at division one football so uh, but you obviously believed in yourself so I mean when you first met Choate that day all the way till now I mean just take us through the story of the journey
8: yeah I mean I mean just coming from such a small town I mean it was an honor to be able to talk to coach Choate and get my foot in that door and come to camps obviously and uh, just knowing that I mean coming from a small town if you put the work in and you're able to do whatever I mean uh, it's all about your skills and whatever you put your mind to honestly and Uh, just through these last few years just developing, knowing when you first come in that you're not going to be affecting games. you got to gain weight and learn the offense and slowly evolve and learn certain things. And um, I think going through Coach Cho, uh, I learned a bunch, gained a lot of weight. That's kind of what the big emphasis is, especially coming from such a small school. And um, I think just learning all the plays and getting coached from good coaches uh, throughout the years and learning proper technique, and I think that's kind of what's got me to where I am today, honestly.
0: You got hurt early on, right? Was it before you even got here? Was it was it the Shrine game? Is that where you got hurt? Uh, I got
8: hurt uh, in the first game of my high school uh, senior year. Oh, right, okay. Uh, sat out a few games and then uh, wore a knee brace. Uh, didn't know really what was going on, just knew that I had a little knee pain. Um, got here, first day of practice, uh, asked our, Rob, our trainer, if uh, oh, I could basically. have a knee sleeve just because, I mean, for basketball, I wore it a few times, and uh, he went, he put my knee through the test, and was like, yeah, we need to check this out, and uh, so yeah, my freshman year, about week into it, I had to get my ACL surgery, Uh, so the first year was just a complete battle of just getting my knee back to where it should be, and then... It was kind of a step behind everybody, it felt like, so I had to try and catch up
0: and get my body to where it needed to be. That's amazing. So that must have been frustrating, though, because you've kind of already proven that you could play through it, right? The surgery was actually the thing that ended it, not actually the
8: injury? Yeah, it was, it was kind of, I know Coach Cho was saying, I mean, you want to try and minimize how many times you have surgery, but <laughs> right. we kind of talked through it, and I mean, we kind of knew I was going to redshirt. Sure. And so it was a good year to try and get healthy and not risk doing any further damage, and uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what it ended up doing.
0: Well, when you did finally get healthy, then uh, that's probably pretty motivating to try to get back and to get to full strength and all that. So, I mean, your training, what have you done to put on the weight?
8: Um, honestly, I think uh, me and my roommate, we, this last December, I didn't go anywhere. I stayed in Bozeman. Who do you live with? Uh, Jory and Lane. Oh, okay. So uh, Too
0: hard work in Montana,
8: guys. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we all stayed in Bozeman, and we just trained all uh, winter. It was kind of nice. There was nobody in Bozeman, so we just kind of had the weight room to ourselves and uh, just ate every day, lifted every day. And uh, I feel like that's kind of when I mostly put up the weight on, and that's kind of when I felt better about my body and strength, for sure.
0: You guys' as media crew was doing a fun little thing where they had a little camera at the base of the locker room after, every day after fall camp, and it's just a question you guys answered it. But I think that the two biggest answers for, uh, who do you want to get stuck in the wilderness with? Who's going to save you if you're just in the middle of nowhere? We're Jory show and Lane Sumner, so you got to feel pretty good that uh, you guys are going to survive a long winter here in Montana, right?
8: Oh yeah, definitely. I know <laughs> I know they were pretty excited about it. I don't know if Lane got all the votes that he wanted, but I mean, if I were to say, I, d- I didn't take the survey, but if I were to pick It'd probably be Lane. Yeah. um,
9: Why
0: is that? I don't
8: know. He's very meticulous, and he's a smart dude. And, uh, I mean, obviously, they both know their way around, but... Uh, yeah, living with Lane and knowing how
0: particular he is, I feel pretty comfortable with that. I texted with a couple of guys that played for the Cats a few years back, and, and they were saying, well, the ultimate of all time is Mac Bignell, because Mac Bignell, he probably just lives in the woods right now. He might, because I was asking him, how do you get a hold of Mac? And they're like, I don't know, dude. I don't know if he can. I don't know if he even has a way to get a hold of him. But uh, but you must like that, because that's sort of been what this culture has been here at Montana State, is kind of the Montana guys like to get outside. I know you guys have a lot of out-of-state guys. You can sort of, sort of show them the ropes, but has that made it easier for you? Because it is sort of a similar background to what you grew up like
8: oh yeah definitely i mean we all kind of have similar personalities we like to go out and be a little adventurous and i mean they even get me out of my comfort zone more often than not because uh, they like to go hiking in crazy places and getting away from people and i mean that's kind of how we all like to be is just kind of out in the wilderness off by our own and just a nice calm setting for last people. couple things for you
0: turn the page to drake i mean how do you sort of flush last weekend and get ready for another game and are you excited for the gold rush
8: yeah i mean it'll be my first time playing in gold rush i mean our coaches got us they will get us set up i mean watching film uh they did an incredible job against wyoming i mean they got us mentally all prepared and um, i feel the same way that they're going to do for this drake game and uh just going in and watching film and understanding the opponent uh is going to be a huge key for that and uh i definitely hope i'm not going to be as nervous as i was the first time against wyoming so yeah
0: just the one week of game prep though where's the pluses and minuses of that because you guys basically prepared for wyoming for like two years
8: you know what i mean definitely i mean i know we had a lot more time to obviously prepare for wyoming and uh uh i guess at the end of the day we all kind of this last week focused in more on wyoming and kind of what our schedule will be, especially with our first time going through it and how things are going to be done. Um, I think going in, watching film and attacking it the same way we did last week will be a uh
0: Trade Pickering, Montana State, take on Drake. Saturday night, Bobcat Stadium. It's a gold rush game. Should be a hell of a time. Trade, thanks so much for taking some time today, man. Thank you, guys.
2: Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations learn how your company can benefit call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com blackfoot communications connect to more
0: speaking of ryan ryan tootail in studio with me colter nuanas it's nuanas now on 1029 espn missoula uh you have a lot of ties to that neck of the woods out in seattle tacoma area mm. i know you followed university of washington sports quite a bit throughout your life and uh Obviously, the Grizz back in the fold, so that was must-watch TV, anyways. But just your impressions on Montana's uh, pretty remarkable thirteen to seven victory over the number twenty-ranked team in the FBS. Well, I
9: mean, on one hand, I could sit here and just do you know two hours on it. On another hand, everything's just so obvious. Sure. I mean it. It, it was it was uh, unbelievable in the hyperbolic sense how well they played, how hard they played. I thought the thing that was very surprising is that they were the better team. When you see FCS teams play Power 5 schools, to say nothing of nationally ranked Power 5 schools, there is always a talent gap. There is always a size and athleticism deficiency. There was not in this game. I mean, there you, there's some spots, but by and large, it looked equal. And in that respect, and where it was not equal was in just the effort and execution. And one thing that... I, it has perhaps been talked about, but I haven't heard about it. But uh, I have got to take my hat off to Coach Houck and the entire staff because they coached the pants off the Huskies 100%. in their staff. 100%. Period. So is that surprising, though? It's not surprising because
0: this is the number one. It,
9: it's surprising that it mattered as much as it did, though.
0: This is the number one question I've had about Washington since the day that Chris Peterson abruptly retired out of nowhere because hmm. Chris Peterson is, is – not only one of the great college football coaches of the modern era, but he is also a- among, if not the most perfect fit for the University of Washington. I mean, everything that Chris Peterson is about. That's right. From his so, personality to the way he's this regal, handsome guy. I mean, he fits on Montlake perfectly. And the reason So why, why would he walk away? He's not even 60 yet. Yeah. So what, what, what's going on? And then the fact that Pete Kukowski, one of the highest paid defensive coordinators, also left and to go to Texas uh, with, with one Jeff Choate from Montana State to join Steve Sarkeesian's staff. I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of question marks about the well, that, the leadership of the, all the, Washington sense the
9: world to me. The Chris Peterson thing obviously was very abrupt, very surprising, and if you believe what he said about it, it it resonates with me, okay. I can, I'll just say that in terms of Chris Peterson. But um, you know, obviously Jimmy Lake, you know, a, a, a new position for him, and I don't think this necessarily I mean it ultimately always will fall on the head coach, but but I think you're trying to organize everything with your whole staff and everything like that. And they they weren't there. They weren't ready to go in that way. And Bobby Haug and his staff, who have been basically the same group since Bobby Haug took back over. I mean it's unbelievable the stability in the staff that that they have had at the University of Montana. So you know it was it's the greatest is the greatest single win in terms of an opponent in the history of the program. So what more can you say than that? And Bobby Houck even said, right? This is the greatest win of my coaching career. So uh, it, it, there's nothing more that you can say than that. I think the best thing I can say, though, about Montana is is this. They control their own destiny. And I don't mean that in the sort of dumb and obvious sense that everybody at this point basically controls their own destiny. If you win, you keep going. What I, what I mean by that is this. When they play and if they play at their best, they determine the outcome of every game that they play in. The only way that Montana is going to lose a game is if they don't do the things they're supposed to do. There's a lot of teams out there who can play a really good game, basically do all the things they're asked to do and lose. Montana is one of the very, very, very few teams that isn't that. If they do everything that they're supposed to do and play all the ways they're supposed to do, is uh, supposed to play, they're going to win, and they so they control their destiny in every game that they play, and that is remarkable. I mean, that's a very strong statement that I just made. Uh, but when you, you we go back several years now, Colter, you and I, to when Patrick O'Connell. First stepped onto the field as a freshman. Or you know, when 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 we saw Marcus Wellno for the first time, we saw James this Lewis. Uh, this whole front of guys yeah. who were was freshmen freshman, yeah. and you're going, what in the world and they played right away because it was a complete overhaul yep. from Bob Stitt to Bobby Houk just immediately. And they didn't look like they weren't ready at that time, and now they look all world, and they still got Two, three years of eligibility in a lot of these cases. But that front seven put them up against anybody at this level in the country, period, right now. And uh, across the board. The one thing that's obvious is that this this team has been like a spring being wound up for almost two years. For sure. And they exploded On the Washington Huskies I mean they were so ready to go It's beyond belief And we've talked about this At various times a lot over the years But no one goes out to play a sport Division one college sports, it goes, you know what? Today, it's 90%. Today, it's 80%. Every guy that goes out there to play, every gal that goes out there to play, it's 100%. Sure. But that doesn't mean that you're able to reach the same level of energy every week that you play in the case of football or every game, whether it's
0: bat, whatever it might be. And so... And where's your toughness level to push through? To, to be able that's to. That's what I saw that's right. as a team that can reach the brink of... of of maximizing yourself And still continue to, to go As That's hard right. as you can That's right So it's
9: easy When you haven't played In almost two years To walk into sure. Washington Husky You know Husky Stadium In Washington And go Let's go Frankly I think it's going to be Pretty easy This Saturday To walk out the tunnel Under the lights For the first time At Washington Grizzly Stadium In almost two years And be pretty wound up And ready to go But the question is When Dixie State Comes to town you know, is it going to now? It's, no, I'm not sitting here going, "Hey, upset alert, Dixie State." But I am saying, you have to judge yourself by yourself. If you're the Washington, you know, the Montana Grizzlies, now you have to. That is the the barometer is in the mirror, and you've already put on tape what you are. And I think that's a big stick for Bobby Howe and that staff to hold because they could go, "No, no, no, no." Back in early September, we already did this. So why is it not happening now if there was to be a lack of energy, you know? And I don't think there's probably anybody better than Bobby Houck to regain a team's attention and focus on that sort of thing. But if they if they do that stuff, they're in the driver's seat. If you're asking me for one question mark, sorry, I'm excited. You know, I haven't been on okay. the radio in a while. It's quarterback, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, I give... Cam Humphrey a ton of credit. He was gritty, and he was tough. Mm-hmm. He scored the only touchdown the team scored in the game, yep. and he made some plays. He did. He also missed some plays. He did. And I didn't think that he looked scared. I didn't think that he played scared. I think he just missed some stuff. Like for he, sure. he had an overthrow. Well, it happens. He, had
0: he also had his security blanket was the number one guy on the scouting report because the most proven offensive weapon returning for Montana is Sammy Akim. That's right. And Washington has two... NFL corners and 100%. they put they put the best one on Sammy Kim. That's going to help Cam Humphrey just exceptionally just because when you're in trouble it's third nine okay it's a no single side number eighteen throwing the ball and
9: and so you, you, I mean you put all that stuff in there but also I mean there's a lot of I, Cam Humphrey's been at the University of Montana for like four years. And he hasn't played, like he hasn't been the guy, right? He's been waiting and then we've had COVID and all all of it. So to finally get your opportunity in a setting like that, and especially down the stretch, man, it's easy to start getting those alligator arms in the proverbial sense when all of a sudden, whoa, we're up by three and it's the fourth quarter at the University of Washington. And now, okay, I just don't want to make a mistake or whatever. I thought he actually improved as the game went on. And for that, I give him a lot of credit. That said, um, he's got a long way to go. To become, you know, to 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 show what he is as a quarterback that he is, you know, a, a, a say an all-conference level or whatever you want to say, uh, type of quarterback. I don't know that he needs to be, but obviously that's what the University of Montana wants him to be. It's what he would want for himself, certainly. Uh, and so that's the that's the one sort of spot that I want to see. Like, how's it going to go? The thing is, they just seem so strong everywhere else that. Mm, how much is that going to matter or not? At this point, I don't know. I mean, at some point, you're going to need your quarterback to be the dude who makes plays, and I think Cam Humphrey can. But Do you, though? Yeah. Maybe not. That is— that is. Well, at some point, yes. If you want to talk about the like going postseason and making a run in the postseason, yes, you will need that.
0: I, I'm just—Bobby Houck doesn't agree with that. And that, it could be his fatal flaw or it could be the most brilliant thing ever because if you rely, if you have to have that happen and then that guy doesn't make plays. I mean, let's think about this. Last time the Grizz played a season, 2019. Relying on the quarterback to make plays was why the Grizz didn't make a deeper run because Dalton Steve being hurt made their offense less diverse. And then Dalton Steed throwing five picks against Weber State was
9: their demise in the playoffs. Understood. But there is a difference between relying on your quarterback to be the guy and needing your quarterback to come through in moments, you know? And that's what I think they have, especially, I mean, they're down at least two running backs, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, just got, got a, a a ding in that game. Hopefully, you know, everybody cares, comes back and all that. But um, y- you need your quarterback to make some plays. He doesn't have to be the guy. And and we've talked to Coach Houck about that explicitly, and you're right. He, he's like, no, like – he doesn't have to be the leader, the captain, the best player, anything like that. You need, But you do need uh, a stable force who's not going to make a ton of mistakes. I thought Cam Humphrey didn't make a ton of mistakes. He didn't make the big mistakes, which was huge. But...
2: Blackfoot Communications connect to more.
0: Well, sometimes the best decisions in life are the most spontaneous ones. And we made a spontaneous one last week. And man, I'm glad we did. Time now for our ESPN roundtable, presented proudly by Paradise Falls of Missoula. And a long-standing segment we've been doing for a while now, several years here on Nuanas Now. But this guy's debut on the ESPN Roundtable, he's Andrew Houghton from both ESPN Missoula as well as MT.com. And uh, for those that don't know, Andrew and I have been working together for several years now. He uh, was in the fold with us at Skyline for the 2018-2019 seasons. Bobby Houck's first two uh, back at the helm for Montana. And uh, then he spent some time in Pocatello, Idaho, and then he's been back here with us at Missoula Broadcasting Company as well as Skyline Sports for a couple months now. And we were sort of waffling on what we were going to do for our travel plans. I knew I was going to Laramie. I got a cheap flight out of Bozeman. I got a good friend in Denver. And I thought it was a good storyline. Brent Vegan returning to the place he spent seven years uh, coaching with the Wyoming Cowboys. And then his first game as Montana State's head coach. And then we were sort of waffling back and forth on if we were going to send a team or a reporter or whatever uh, to Seattle to watch the Washington Huskies host the Montana Grizzlies. And uh, last minute, we decided... Let's go. We're going to send Andrew over there. So I uh, figured it out, and uh, it was so interesting because like 10 days out from the game, I was sitting there thinking, man, you know, Montana maybe hang around and, you know, respectable 42-14 or loss or something like that. Maybe they closed the gap a little bit from their 63-7 to loss back in 2017. Well, they closed the gap more than a little bit. They closed the gap a lot, 13-7. to Montana goes into Husky Stadium, knocks out the number 20 team in the country uh, at the FBS level. And so, uh, Andrew, I know it's your first time in Husky Stadium. Just take us through your journey on your way out to Seattle because uh, pretty darn cool for you to be uh, front and center to watch one of the biggest wins in Chris history.
10: Well, I never really got the chance to take it all in because I got there about 15 minutes before kickoff. So like you said, we were waffling on our travel plans. Figured out like the day before that I was going to be driving down there. Didn't want to take off Friday afternoon, so I left Saturday morning got to husky stadium you know got to got to seattle checked into the airbnb and everything had about an hour to get over to the stadium and the, the traffic was just madness parked sprinted into the stadium got up to the press box didn't have time to take it all in except for just the, the excitement of everybody there and then you watched what was maybe
0: the most anomalous and uh unique FCS over-ranked FBS win ever. There's only been five of them, but most of the time, it's Armani Edwards, one of the great players in Division One AA-slash-FCS history, leading App State over Michigan, uh, which included, uh, I believe, a special teams touchdown for App State as well as a pair of blocked field goals. Uh, or it's Eastern Washington going to Corvallis and knocking off Oregon State behind a million yards passing by Vernon Adams and several touchdowns by Cooper Cup. And 49 points for the Eagles usually takes a fair amount of fluky and or lucky plays or uh, a couple special teams plays to go your way or just ringing up the scoreboard, just scoring a ton of points. None of that was the case in Seattle. Instead, Montana dismantled the Huskies physically. I thought it was astounding to watch Montana manhandle a team that's supposed to have multiple NFL draft picks on its offensive line. But the Grizz brought pressure early and often. Uh, I was going through some highlights today, and I actually talked to some people last night as well. 11 different fronts they played before the third quarter even started. So they had Dylan Morris, the Husky quarterback, all the way crossed up. Uh, but just your impressions of the Montana defense, because we thought they were going to be good, but I don't know if we thought that they were going to be like this. They were flying around everywhere.
10: Yes, anomalous because it wasn't surprising. I mean, we were talking right. about this. like How many more possessions could have you, you have given Washington at the end of the game there? They weren't going to score. The defense, I think, really, what was shocking about it was that they didn't look that good on the game's first drive. where Yeah, they watched
0: out of the watch, script, a script and they diced them.
10: Right, because that's what you do. I mean, you have your your play sheet for the first drive, whatever, something that you know the quarterback's going to feel comfortable with. But it wasn't just that they were dicing them. I mean, they were pushing them off the ball. They never looked like they were going to turn. I mean, Montana put them in a couple third downs on that first drive. doesn't matter. Whatever, it just looked like it was so easy. And then after that completely changed and what Montana did first was stifle the run game and then that put Dylan Morris in such a tough situation because he had to throw it and he was able to throw it really successfully in the first half. I mean the run game completely went away for Washington after that first drive but Morris was still able to convert a lot of those third downs because he was getting his receivers open and then as time went away they started taking that away too and there was just nothing Washington could do.
0: ESPN Roundtable here on Nuwana's Now, 102.9 ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television around the great state of Montana. Andrew Houghton joining us here in studio for the ESPN Roundtable this week, recapping Montana's epic win over the Washington Huskies on Saturday. Uh, Only the fifth win by a FCS squad over a ranked FBS team in 353 matchups of the sort. So, historic and impressive for Montana to go in there and perform like that. Uh, But I was so curious to see what the Grizz defense looked like with the upgrades in personnel because they added a variety of transfers, um, particularly in the defensive secondary. Uh, But I was also interested to see when Montana can play just straight, hardcore cover two on the outside. What's the middle of the defense look like? And this was exactly, I think, what they have always dreamed this defense would look like. It's been a smoke and mirrors defense where they get – I mean – as Bobby Houck said in the preseason. The fact that Alex Gubner led the team, that he's the nose tackle, led the team in picks, and the fact that uh, Robbie Houck, I believe, was second or third on the team, he's a strong safety in sacks, sort of shows you the smoke and mirrors. But uh, now it doesn't look like a gimmick. It looks like um, just a swarming, uh, just unbelievable unit. So um, this is sort of the 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 dream of what Montana wanted this defense to look like, right?
10: Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, when you hold Washington to seven points, regardless <laughs> right. of what the defense looks like, right. But, no, the thing is that they do have the cornerbacks on the outside now. They were able to get pushed with the defensive linemen, and they were able to bring pressure from everywhere because you have all the linebackers. You have Robbie How, who can bring pressure. I think part of this was on Washington's game plan, too, which was very vanilla, and, of course, you expect that in a season opener against an FCS team. Like, Washington never, like, really took any deep shots on them. Uh, it was all just short passes, trying to get the run game going, just very straightforward stuff. But even with that caveat, I mean, Montana's defense was, yeah, I mean, it looked like the, the apex form of this defense.
0: It's so um, funny, too, because football has, has reached this level of consumption and attention in America where even some the the quote-unquote common fan is is getting in a little bit to the schemes and what's what's the identity of teams and stuff like that. What are these guys running? And uh, the two things that have happened in college football that I find fascinating that the public has not quite caught up on are, one, everybody runs everything now. Even Montana State the last couple years has been this quote-unquote ground-and-pound team. Well, they don't line up under center. They don't run an I formation. They don't ever run any of the stuff. They're running the spread. They're running pre-snap motion all over the place. It's just the they run a gap scheme up front. So uh, everybody runs elements of everything uh, because you can, because the film is just so out there. But I think that there's this perception that it's so complicated. It's not. It's really diverse. But the actual goal of every college football offense is – Simple. Get a guy in space, especially a guy with a weakness in space, and make him miss. The whole element of college coaching now is to make kids make mistakes. That's what it is. You want a guy to make a mistake. That's where I think Montana is absolutely elite. I'm talking elite on the level of all college football teams in America. They're open field tackling. Why do they open field tackle so well? Because they put such a high priority on it. You went to practice a bunch the last month. That element translated beautifully for Montana on Saturday.
10: Yeah, no missed tackles, and because they're always swarming to the ball, which is the other huge thing that they just emphasize, emphasize, emphasize at practice. Even if you do, I mean, if you get a hand on a guy, slow him up, you got people coming in behind you.
0: Yeah, I mean, the run to the ball priority is just so profound. I remember I was talking to Kent Bear after practice one day, Montana's defensive coordinator, and he has what you call loafs. And every time he sees a loaf on film, then the next day you got to run. And he was telling me that when they first got to Montana before the 2018 season, this team would get like three dozen loafs every practice. Well, now it's a, it's a pretty rare occasion if they get one a week because everybody knows. But um, on that element, though, how much do you think just the off season and, and the fact that they had this elongated break just contributed to uh, the
10: physical conditioning, the hunger, all of it, of this team? A lot, I think, especially, like you said, just the, the physical part of it. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Even from watching the first fall practice, I mean, you look at some of these guys, you just just look at them walking on the practice field or walking into the stadium, whatever, they look different, changed, right? And I think that was a, that's a huge part of the open field tackling thing, too. I mean, you can want to do it all you want. You can want to get to the ball all you want. You've got to be able to, to physically match up with these guys, and like we saw with you know Patrick O'Connell dragging Dylan Morris down like a D1 quarterback, just chasing him down, chasing him out of the pocket, he's not getting away. I mean, Montana has those guys now.
0: No question. ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. Andrew Houghton joining us here on uh, 102.9 ESPN Radio, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana Television. About 15 minutes out from Todd Stepsis. He's the head coach for the Drake Bulldogs. They make their way to Bozeman for the Gold Rush game on Saturday. Also, Hoping to catch up with Ryan Elliott, the head coach for Western Illinois uh, sometime later on this week, as well as Western Illinois makes their way out to Missoula for opening night game. Dual non-conference night games. This is the first time in my career I can remember this, where both squads were opening up at home the same Saturday under the lights. So
10: With beer now, too. With beer
0: now, too. Yeah, yeah. Prayers to the uh, security people, <laughs> man. I, I uh, Missoula's going to be wild on Saturday night, I tell you that. I hope they uh, have about double the security. But hopefully everybody just keeps it between the ditches. You know, be happy. Have a good time. No no fighting or anything like that. Let's just uh, let's keep it on the straight and narrow and uh, enjoy yourself. But also don't waste too much time in the beer garden because the whole point of college football is to watch the game. I, I have to remind particularly Grizz fans this often. Uh, but both Bob Gannon and Chris fans, a little guilty. Third quarter is a little sparse sometimes, but uh, maybe not as many people will leave. They can just go get a beer right out back the south end zone, so that'll be fun. Um, but, Andrew, the, Montana's 13-7 win over Seattle sent shockwaves across the country. Certainly an awesome victory for Montana. But it was not a perfect victory. They were really good defensively, and I thought they got stronger as the game went along. You can tell their level of physical conditioning is at an all-time high. That said, there was some stuff that I think that they could look at uh, to clean up and and that they're going to put a priority on trying to improve. But in your mind, what are those things? What do you think Montana could do better
10: for the defense in specific? Or, or? just
0: just either way? I mean, I think the defense played about as good as you could play. But I think that uh, you know there was a there was a kick return in the third quarter where you could tell they had it dialed up and they didn't quite block it right. Yeah. Um. You know, it took Cam Humphrey a while to settle in at I quarterback. Think just the offensive yeah.
10: consistency early, right? because they were – and I don't know why this is. I mean, a lot of times you'd look at a matchup like that and you'd think, well, okay, he's just going to be under pressure all day. They're going to have to to grind stuff out. But I don't think it was that because, you know, Humphrey was good back there. The offensive line looked pretty good from the start. Whether it was just nerves or, you know, having to get into the flow of the game, I think that – yeah, I mean, he started something like 4 of 13 – passing right just in the first half and the run game aside from the one Xavier Harris run on the first drive took a little while to get going too
0: I think that uh, also Sammy Kim I mean he was getting matched up against one if not two Washington corners they're going to be probably top 150 draft picks I mean you know within the, in the first four or five rounds of the NFL draft and they knew the number 18 was going to be the guy for Montana so they definitely shadowed him quite a bit they gave some more opportunities guys like Mitch Roberts and Gabe Sulcer. Uh, But I do think that, well, first of all, Kem's going to have such a bigger physical mismatch when he gets into playing FCS teams. Um, But I do think they need to get him a little bit more involved because not only is he one of the most talented players on the team, but he's also sort of one of those emotional leaders. He's a guy when he gets a first down, he gets everybody going. And I think he's a guy, especially the skill players on offense, they all kind of turn to for energy as well.
10: That's a great point. I kind of like the fact that they didn't force it to a chem early. Because, you know, it's a great point. He's a guy that you want to get going because he can fire people up, get that momentum going. But also, I mean, especially with Washington, knowing so much that, you know, he's the guy, right? Um, It shows that you have trust in your other receivers. When you're not forcing it to him, you're saying, okay, he's being covered by Trent McDuffie. If the read isn't there, we'll get it to somebody else.
4: Do you want your sports news, commentary, and features from a corporate publication? Would you like to hear it from local experts who have lived in your community their entire lives? At Skyline Sports, Coulter and Brooks Nuwana's bring more than two decades of experience to give you old school journalism with a new age presentation at SkylineSportsMT.com. The Nuanas brothers provide knowledge from a family who lives Big Sky Conference Athletics every day for $8 a month or 90 bucks a year. Get access to comprehensive college grizz and bobcat coverage at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports. Every Every day every season.
0: Here with Jeffrey Manning on the Montana State campus. And Jeffrey, first and foremost, let's start with you getting into an actual game. You came to Montana State, what, January of 2020? So this must have been like the longest wait of your life.
11: Uh, it um, was crazy as I was talking to my dad the other day. It just felt good to. Like you said, be getting here last January, finally getting out there with the guys, being able to run around and feel good.
0: Physically, you guys all look so good. you think that's a product of getting a chance to just lift and train for a couple years and not actually have to play a football game?
11: I would for sure credit it to that year we had off. We were just constantly grinding, working, working. And I, uh, like you said... it It shows Saturday, I would say.
0: Coach Vegan always talks about knowing exactly what you're doing and then playing as fast as you can. You guys played fast, fast defensively. So uh, how do you go about that, though? How do you go about playing so fast like you guys were able to on Saturday?
11: I think that ultimately comes down to our preparation. I would say we had the fall camp, we had the year, so we was constantly just working. And then the last couple of weeks, we just really – focused and dialed into what we had to try to accomplish on saturday we just fell short but i would say our preparation was shown
0: how do you guys digest saturday 19 through nineteen, sixteen lost by the bobcats to wyoming in laramie you guys controlled the game man i mean you guys it seemed like you guys were the better team a disappointing way for you guys to lose for sure but how do you sort of balance the fact that you guys went toe-to-toe with a tough mountain west squad but also probably disappointed to
11: lose um it ultimately hurts to fall short but I would say that just comes down to putting all three phases of the game together. And I would say we showed glimpses of it here and there, but I feel like when we put it all together, we'll be a force to be reckoned with. What your
0: you think of the performance here for front seven? It seemed like the, especially the D-line was causing a lot of havoc.
11: Uh, what's crazy is that was actually my thought just watching the game for film. Sure. I would say the front seven ultimately dominated up front, showed their physicality, showed how dominant they can be, and I feel like I just love playing behind them.
0: Wyoming came in, that thing with a, a highly touted offensive line, and, and the center was a potential All-American, but number 41 for you guys, Chase Benson, had his way. I mean, I, what about Chase, though? Because you played at a high level in the Pac-12, but it seems like Chase could probably play anywhere because, yeah, he's pretty tough.
11: Oh, my God. So what's crazy, since I've gotten on campus and just working, being around Chase, it's just his work ethic is just second to none. It's just he's a he's a beast, to say the least.
0: One of the strongest guys on the team, too, right?
11: Oh, my God. It's, I wouldn't say it's close. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's close.
0: The page now. I mean, college football, it's up next. Can't dwell on the previous result, no matter how well or how bad it goes. So, uh, what do you think of of this upcoming game? And you got to be excited yourself personally to be playing your first home game in Bozeman. Uh,
11: So, I've heard the hype around Gold Rush. Finally getting out here, I'm just really excited to showcase not only myself, but the whole team in front of the Bobcat fans. So, I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Any insight on Drake? You guys probably haven't really looked at him yet, huh?
11: Uh, We haven't really. We're really just still finally digesting the Wyoming game. So, we're probably just going to. I want to say we'll get a look at the film today and just start our preparation. It's
0: Jeffrey Manning, junior stager for the Montana State Bobcats here on New Orleans Now, thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thank you. First of all, say something about the defensive effort against Wyoming. Well, you guys played so fast. Coach talked about that for like a month. You know what you're doing and the play as fast as you can. How do you actually go about doing it,
11: though?
12: Um, You know, just getting in the game and just not thinking. Just trusting that coaching, all those reps for – 20 months, you know, just banking on those, just playing excited, playing with great effort, um, flying around to the ball, just, yeah, just trusting the coaching. They had us prepared, really dialed on what they were going to do. Obviously, the new OC, they threw some new things at us, but just trusting your instincts, trusting your your football IQ, and just playing fast and just having fun out there really is all it was.
0: That 20 months like you talked about, how much did you guys improve just in certain areas like conditioning, strength, you know, the details of the game basically?
12: Uh, I mean, the strength and conditioning was huge. You know, Sean's been doing a great job. Um, I think you could see guys were flying to the ball. There's nobody, you know, loafing, not running to the ball. So I think that was a big thing that was good to see. And yeah, just fine-tuning our body, working on, you know, different techniques and fundamentals, and I think that showed up a lot. In the first game, I was pretty surprised. You know, tackling is usually pretty poor, but I thought we tackled well as a whole, so – You know, I thought we were ready, thought we came in with the right mindset, just wasn't able to finish it, so.
0: You probably expected to rotate in a little bit with Troy and Callahan, but then Troy's, you know, he's kind of in and out, but you seem to answer the call pretty well. So when you first go out there, what's going through your mind, and how are you able to sort of rise to the occasion?
12: Uh, You know, I just, going into the game, I just wanted to be ready. I knew, obviously wasn't starting, but I knew I was going to get some time. I just wanted to be ready from my first play in, not have, you know, a drive to get settled in. Just wanted to be able to get in there and, not have a step down from them, you know, I'm going in there and need to just keep that level of play that they bring to the table. They're obviously both great players, so just trying to rise up to their level and and keep that going when I get there. Don't let anything, you know, fall back. So just just trying to focus on that and just playing fast again.
13: The the Grizz kind of have a a lot of Montana linebackers. There was a story about that. Obviously, you guys, the the three that mainly played are are Montanans. Um, How much pride do you take in that?
12: Um, a lot. That's a big thing here. I think we like to pride ourselves on is linebackers are a tough group. You know, they're leaders of the defense. They're the glue. they got to bring the front guys together with the back end. So being leaders out there and then, you know, being leaders on the team and bringing that Montana aspect to the team and making sure everybody understands how important the state is, I think that's a big thing. And just being those Montana tough, being those kind of kids that are in there getting dirty every play and just making sure that we're representing Montana the right way.
13: What you think of Troy as
12: his first game back? Oh, man, he flew around. Um, first time, obviously, playing inside backer, but he, yeah, he's amazing. Just finds the ball. You know, sometimes things were a little new for him, but you can tell it's just, you know, a like Coach likes to say, check whoop ass and just go make a play. Just not sure what you're supposed to do, just go hit somebody. And, you know, he did that a lot, and he hit some people pretty hard. So, yeah, it's great sitting behind him, getting to learn from him, you know, see how he goes about his business. It's it's really an honor and trying to learn as much as I can from him.
14: What are you most looking forward to Gold Rush being back at Bobcat Stadium for the first
12: time in almost two years? I'm just excited those fans are going to come out and see us. And I know they've been waiting, and I know we're all ready to put on a show for them. You know, it's, it's a Bobcat faithful right there. That's, you know, a big part of why we all come here and play is because of those guys. I'm just excited to put our product out on the field for them to see and, you know, get that energy going back on campus and the city and in the whole state, really.
13: How would you react
12: to uh, the to upset? Uh, you know, it's cool to see. I think it's good for the conference. Um, you got some friends over there, you know, not friends during the season, but, you know, I know them. So, yeah, good for the conference, good for the SCS, and just going to make it that much sweeter, and we beat them in November. So,
13: Did you, uh, did you hear from those friends?
12: Um, I don't really talk to them as much during the season, but, you know, after the season we'll reminisce about it. I'll dive into it with them and see what they have to say. I'm sure it was a cool experience.
13: Yeah, I mean you obviously have a, a very you know, Montana connection to all of this. Um does so uh, does that does that especially with you almost being an FBS team as well, did, did it did it hurt at all? Was it
12: was it tough or, or do you just kinda of focus on how close you guys were? Um, yeah, it's tough. We definitely didn't go in there for any moral victories. We wanted to win the game, so at the end of the day we didn't get the job done. But, you know, we played well, competed well, I think. Play to, played them a lot tougher than a lot of people were expecting. And, you know, that's good and all. We can take pride in the way we played, but didn't finish the way we wanted. So a lot of things we can get better at and a lot of stuff on tape that we can learn from. So, you know, there's good and bad. Um, obviously, yeah, I wanted to win, not how we wanted it to go, but proud of how we played.
13: Yeah, do you guys take pride in, in seeing being able to play with FBS and also seeing other teams in the conference do, do the same thing in the first week?
12: Yeah, absolutely. I think. This week, obviously, a lot of those FCS teams were rose up to the occasion. I think people are starting to take notice that there's some good football being played down here. There's some good players. That competition doesn't fall off like a lot of people might think it does. You know, there's talent everywhere across the country. So, yeah, it's good to see. I think it's really great for the whole conference and this whole division right here. So,
13: How, how important were those defensive linemen to, to having such a good
12: performance? Oh, my gosh. Chase Benson is a freak, man. He's... When he takes up two blockers, it makes our life a whole lot easier for sure. And then sometimes he takes up three. Sometimes he just slips them all and makes a play. And then obviously, uh, Mondre and Hardy on the edge, just getting after the quarterback, keeping him contained, setting good edges, allowing us to run inside out to the ball and just fly around. Yeah, without them, we would really be nothing at the linebacker room. So, yeah, all the props to them.
5: skyline sports every day every season
13: and you're obviously rotating in and, and that the defensive line had seven or so uh uh subs in um that's something freddie being talked about a lot of, of of rotating guys in and how how more do you think that was to be able to, to play so well for the whole game but the freshness there
12: Oh, yeah, it's a, a big deal. Um, a good sign of a great defense is the depth, of, like being able to put the next guys up and not having that fall off, not having the execution take a step back and being able to put guys in and just keep playing and keep executing well. So, yeah, especially with a guy like Troy and like Chase, who, you know, have played a lot, taken a lot of hits, a little banged up here and there, being able to have someone come in and spot them a few plays, let them, you know, get their legs back under him and then go back out there and dominate just like they do is huge obviously and then being able to keep him fresh for when the fourth quarter rolls around so that they can be at their best then too is a big part of it.
13: Specifically what do you think of Daniel making that transition from outside linebacker but then also you know being a real threat now especially as a pass rusher?
12: Yeah he's he's a freak man. Uh, I think the thing to me is just his physical transformation from the last time we were on the field. He's always been you know, a great athlete, a uh, well-built kid, fast, can run, can jump, all that. But he just put on 20, 30 pounds of straight muscle. You can, you can see it just looking at him. Just the dedication he put in in the offseason and to his body and to learning football. You know, he hasn't been playing super long. And just the time he spent with coaches in the film room, diving into film, really, learning the X and O's, in off, or offense and defense, really, just... You can tell how much different he looks and plays, he plays a lot faster. He kinda of took the thinking out of it. That's kinda of the thing I think he struggled with early on was just overthinking and now you can see he just plays fast and he is he's a force to be reckoned with for sure. He's gonna be huge for us this year. What do you think
0: of the safeties? It seemed like uh Ocada's versatility makes it so that Trey can get on the field now, so you got three
12: guys back there. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. Obviously they've all got experience, whether here or, you know, Trey coming from San Jose and Uh, Jeff coming from Oregon State I think they stepped up big time they tackled really well I thought you know coming from that free safety spot coming down making some of those open field tackles those aren't easy tackles and more often than not Jeff was making them you know grabbing feet getting guys on the ground that's all that matters so yeah I think they got good leadership in there too they're all older guys and I think they own their role and they know their spot on the team and helping bring along a lot of those younger DBs. We got a lot of talent in there, but just need to get them some more experience and time, and I think those guys are doing a great job of bringing them along with them.
0: You guys been thinking about that opener against Wyoming for, I don't know, probably since so speaking, got hired nine months. Now it's a one-week transition. So what's the turnaround like? And, you know, is there sort of a benefit to the fact that it is only a week? Everybody only has a week to get ready now.
12: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just kind of 24-hour rule, whether it's a win or loss. You know, you got 24 hours uh, after the loss, of course, lick your wounds and get over it, or if it's a win, celebrate 24 hours, move on to the next one. So, yeah, a little more sense of urgency with the shorter time. Really just got to take that much more time to dive into the film and the team and the personnel they got uh, and start studying up more. So, yeah, it's, it's a little different, definitely. Just just the sense of urgency just raises that much more. How,
13: how tough was it to see Kyle go down?
12: Oh, that, that's tough, man. Uh, he's good buddy. He's a great player, great teammate. Um, he's been waiting his turn. You know, he's been behind a lot of good D linemen, and he's poised for a big year. And tough to see anybody, no matter you know who it is, go down. But just the way he's battled and really been waiting for his turn, and just kept working hard, and his time finally here for him to get to dominate and do his thing. And just a bummer. Yeah, really sad for him.
13: Jeff, what stands out to
12: you about him as a player on the field but also as a um, On the field as a player, just he's fast, man. He takes good angles. He's open field tackler, like I said. Those are tough tackles coming from 20 yards behind the line and having to fly up there and make a tackle on a good running back in open space. And he was consistently making those plays. So that's you know one of the things that stood out to me. Just as a teammate, he's just got a great attitude, always positive, always upbeat, brings energy to practice, to the weight room, to the to the watching film, all that. So yeah, he's been a great addition to the team. Did
13: you uh, get to see that senior game much?
12: Did you to- uh, I didn't get to watch. I saw the final score, kind of, me and some of the other Bengal guys on the team were, you know, kind of talking a little crap about it. But yeah, sad to see the outcome, but my boys will bounce back and all that.
2: to more. Connect. Connect to more.
0: We keep coming at you with new segments from each and every angle of sports around the state of Montana. I'm happy now to introduce another fun segment, it's the Montana State Minute with Alex Eshelman. And it's a little bit of a, a arbitrary name because we're not going to just take one minute. We are going to take several minutes, if not quite a few minutes, to talk all things Montana State football and also probably get a little update on all the sports in southwest Montana. Alex is a reporter for SWX, our great partners here, ABC Fox, Montana Television, as well as SWX Montana. Bringing you nuanas now around the state of Montana each and every weekday. And Alex, uh, first of all, let's start with you. You've been in Bozeman now for a little while, but I know that uh, the big allure of that job is covering Bobcat sports, particularly Bobcat football, and you've had to wait a little while uh, to do that. But just tell people kind of about your background. What brought you to Bozeman? Where are you from? All that sort of stuff.
14: Well, first of all, Colter, thank you so much for having me. It's such a privilege to be on your show. Uh, You obviously do wonderful work and I love following what you do and hearing your insight. Um, But just a little bit about me. So, I grew up in a town outside of Sacramento called El Dorado Hills, California, Um, and was cheerleading obsessed all the way until my senior year of college at the University of Arizona. I was fortunate enough to cheer there, and that kind of um, was a segue into what I do now which is sports reporting. I love being on the sideline. I love everything from the fans in the stands to what's going on in the game to what people are getting at the concession stands and um, it's, it's just the best as you know. So I felt like sports reporting was kind of a perfect segue into uh, continuing to be able to connect the people on the field with the fans and uh, yeah, So now I'm in Bozeman. of course. I've been here for a little bit over a year and finally covering Bobcat football in person. It's been a little while, but we're back.
0: And thank goodness for that. I want to ask you about the, the <laughs> cheerleading and sideline aspect of it, though, because it seems like uh, you actually have a phenomenal view of the game when you're on the sidelines uh, as a, on, on the cheer squad. So uh, that probably taught you sort of the ins and outs of, of watching live sports, particularly football, right?
14: Definitely, definitely. And it's really interesting, Coulter. because in a way you have a a great view of the game because you get all the sights and sounds right there that people back in the stands a little ways aren't going to be able to experience, which is what is, of course, what sports reporting is. That's what you do on the sideline. You're conveying that to you and the people up in the media booth as to those things that people can't really get firsthand. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I would say the, the people in the media booth and people maybe higher up in the stands get a, get a better view in terms of what's going on. But for sure, um, cheerleading gave me the insight that I needed to be a sideline reporter in the sense that, uh, you know, paying attention to all of those little things that people can't get sitting in the stands.
0: This so Montana State Minute with Alex Escherman. She's a reporter at SWX Montana Television, our great TV partners, bringing you Nuanas now around the great state of Montana on statewide television each and every weekday. And Alex, let's talk about uh, this last year or so covering MSU football, because uh, interesting time to be sure. I know that uh, Jeff Choate and his potential departure, and then ultimately his actual departure, (laughs) it sent shockwaves across Montana. (laughs) It was a huge storyline, and I know you got a chance to sort of be around Coach Choate, but never actually watch him coach in games, Uh, but then Brent Vegan takes over, and so let's take us through sort of that whole saga from your perspective, because it's probably sort of interesting to get to learn to know a coach uh, like Choate, but then uh, have him kind of leave, and now I have to to a new coaching staff
14: totally Coulter and uh, I, I tell this story all the time so a big reason why Bozeman was intriguing to me I actually had a good friend Kevin Kappas, uh, who played of course for the Bobcats growing up we went to high school together he played for our high school team and uh all before I got to Bozeman he spoke so much about how amazing coach Cho was um and unfortunately, I wasn't able to really um, cover Coach Schoed, of course. I didn't get to cover him in a normal season. But in the few Zoom calls that we're all on together, especially in that time of COVID and in those press conferences, I mean, he just captivates you instantly. He, I mean, his presence is so captivating, and I think that, the Bobcat fans, I like to describe it as this: when Coach Cho finally decided uh, to make that move to Texas, it was like the breakup that you go through, where you think this person is like year one. This is for the, sure. Yes. Uh, you, the, yeah, this is this is the one I I want. Nobody else in this world but this person. That's how Bobcat fans felt, and it took it took months. For people, I mean, even when Coach Vegan came in, it was—I think—still to this day, people miss Coach Cho, miss or Coach, yeah, miss Coach Cho. Excuse me, but um, you know, I think Vegan—he—he's very different from Coach Cho, but I think in all the right ways. I think he—he he is who he is. He's so uh, detail-oriented. He's so observant. He—you can tell. You automatically trust Coach Vegan in the way that he speaks, and the way that he presents himself on the field. Not saying that you didn't feel that way with Coach Cho. They just have completely different personalities and coaching styles, at least what we've all experienced. Uh, But Vegan, I think, has definitely won over uh, Bobcat Nation so far. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, on throughout the season and not to mention both of their families are amazing too just top-notch Family, their kids, their wives, I mean, they're top-notch. That no is. question. I mean, it was I mean, an it
0: interesting experience being down in Laramie, too, because I was talking to you guys, and then the media, corps, a couple people that never really got a chance to cover Chote in a game perspective, and I was telling you guys, man, uh, you know, Chote was always going to be a good soundbite, but you never knew when he might just yeah. rip your head off, and uh, <laughs> vegan, you don't have to worry about that at all, because he is such a just a tempered and a deliberate guy, and I do appreciate uh, that consistency. Alex Eschelman joining us here outside Montana State minute taking an inside look at the Bobcat uh, athletic department specifically right now because we're rolling on football season and Alex I know you're on the sidelines uh, for the game in Laramie Wyoming uh, as Montana State fell 1916 to the Wyoming Cowboys some impressions from the sidelines what sort of things did you hear and see what you think of the atmosphere and what was your overall take on the game oh my gosh Walter.
14: well let me just start off by saying that I was tearing up a little bit just standing there on the sidelines, being able to watch Montana State. Of course, this was my first season covering these guys, but to know what they've gone through this past season, and even even Wyoming. I mean, all of these teams have been working and waiting and so patiently. And it, it was so amazing to see not only the team finally get to play, but in a packed stadium. Um, and, and I, I have to give credit to Wyoming. They did a great job. I mean, that was a fun game day atmosphere. They were playing classic rock. They had, uh, it was just felt very fitting to Wyoming. It was a classic like cowboy type of, you know, old wild, wild west type of feeling. Um, and it was loud and aggressive, and I mean, it was a perfect opener to finally having football again, you know, as normal as we can have it at this point. Um, and from the game perspective, I think, I think Coach Vegan truly, I don't think this could have been other than winning the game, of course. But this was a perfect opener for him as a head coach. Obviously, it was a little emotional for him. I mean, you were there. He was talking about how weird it was making that drive from Cheyenne, where we all stayed uh, the night before, to to Laramie and how many times he's done that drive, and the coaches on the other sideline are like, you know, brothers to him, players like sons. It was an emotional outing for him. But uh, he followed that up with saying, I'm a Bobcat now, and these are my guys. And it was cool. I, I don't know if that, that season opener could have been much better. What do you think?
0: Well, I think that, uh, honestly, Montana State was the decided uh, better team, which I thought was a little bit surprising at first, but it was proved over and over again uh, throughout the game. I think that when you get in those (laughs) FBS games, the two things that you really worry about are, one, the depth of the FBS team against the FCS squad, and two, the line of scrimmage, the way that uh, the FBS teams usually can dominate the line of scrimmage, especially late in the game. But I thought Montana State absolutely proved the notion that they have a couple of the top fronts, and not only the Big Sky Conference, but the FCS. I think that they'll be able to dominate the line of scrimmage against pretty much everybody they play this year, because they dominated the line of scrimmage against Wyoming. And I also think that it's probably, you know, internally you could look at it like, okay, a narrow loss with FBS squad, good start to the year, but I think that they let some things get away. I think if they play a clean game, you, know, you don't have a hold on Willie Patterson's punt return mm-hmm. for a touchdown, or you don't have a couple penalties down in the red zone that allow Wyoming to get their first touchdown, or you don't have a broken coverage late in the fourth quarter that kind of helps Wyoming score their go-ahead score. Uh, all those things, you clean those up. I mean, I know it's Woodaco Shoulda, and probably the the one thing I actually haven't touched on on this show yet. So thank you for for leading me to this. But uh, I thought that the the backside counter play that Montana State ran to Isaiah Fonse after they had run frontside counter multiple times, and uh, Afonso, the I'm turf weird. monster, came up and bit him, and he slipped and fell on the field. That was dialed right. that play was perfect within the script and if he didn't fall i think he scores i think montana state wins that game so that's probably the most undertold part of the mistakes but i do think that if you're the bobcats you can't take some positivity because you went blow for blow with a tough mountain west squad but i think these guys are disappointed because i think they knew that they were the better team and they let, they let one slip away yeah
14: i i couldn't agree more i definitely think they're disappointed but i also think that's a little more fuel to the fire um, for, you know, not only the 14th annual Gold Rush coming up here this weekend, but also just moving into the rest of the season. And I think, like you said, little things that just need to be cleaned up. These guys can't beat themselves. And I think those are things that you can easily correct and build off from. Um, and, you know, it was, ex- there were so many guys that were fun to watch in this game. I was so happy for Lance McCutcheon finally having a having a really great game. I hope he continues to do that throughout the rest of the season and be a leader for that wide receiver group. I thought it was really interesting to see Matthew McKay make his his uh, starting debut as the quarterback. Definitely think there are some things that he can improve from there. Um seeing Troy Anderson back on the field, eleven tackles for him, one pass breakup, like it it was it was fun to see uh some of the stars of the show. Develop And Justice Perkins up at center, too. I mean, start freshman, won that job in fall camp, comes from a Bobcat family, uh, comes from both in high school. I mean, so many great storylines to this program.
0: No question. It is cool, too, for the Bobcat Faith Bowl, particularly those that are close to or in Bozeman, because you mentioned Justice Perkins from Bozeman High, Lance McCutcheon from Bozeman High, Hannah Riley starting inside linebacker, mm-hmm. played great at a Bozeman right. High, too. So uh, great local products playing for the Bobcats, and those are always uh, fun stories to watch. It's the Montana State Minute with Alex Esherman. We'll do this uh, weekly here during football season here on Nuwana's Now on 1029 ESPN Radio, as well as statewide SWX Montana Television. Alex is the Bozeman reporter for ABC Fox Montana and subsequently SWX as well. SWX will have all your action on Saturday night against Drake, the Gold Rush game. And uh, Alex, we'll get you out of here on that. Your thoughts and uh, anticipation for this Gold Rush because, uh, you know, you kind of started off by talking about how much you love just the atmosphere and observing people and the crowd and all that. And you're about to see one of the wilder crowds you're going to see anywhere in the country Saturday night in Bozeman, Montana. So uh, your thoughts on your first Gold Rush game. Oh, gosh, Colby,
14: you just put a smile on my face describing that. Um, And I'm so... I can't even begin to describe my excitement for the Gold Rush game. I mean, I asked all of the players in their media day before fall camp started, what are you most excited about? Other than going to play, of course, being back in Bobcat Stadium, what are you most excited about? And almost every single one of them brought up Gold Rush. They all said there is nothing like that sea of yellow and sea of gold in Bobcat stadium sold out crowd first game of the home opener of the season uh and having um everything back I mean just having everything back they said Daniel Hardy I think he said I would put Gold Rush up against any home opener in the country I truly truly would um I could not be more excited and I think that is, is Montana State's going to be a force to be reckoned with in this game. I think, like you said, they're, they're really frustrated that they didn't get that first win, and I don't think that uh, they're going to let this one slip away
0: so much to talk about, and I did want to get into the high school stuff with you, but we're out of time for today, but that's okay. We'll continue to circle back around, and we'll get all the best when it comes to insight into Southwest Montana sports, including, and particularly, when it comes to the Montana State Bobcats. She's Alex Escherman joining us weekly here on Nuwana's Now for our Montana State Minute. Alex, we appreciate the time this week. I hope you have the best time on Saturday night, and I can't wait to see you again at Bobcat Stadium, but in the meantime, be well. Thank you,
14: Coulter. Appreciate it. Excited to be on here every week.
0: College Athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Colter Nuwana is here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylinesportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years' experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit Skyline Sports. MT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylinesportsMT.com. Every
14: day, every season.